0: Praise God. Well, church, let's uh, take a look at this because uh, as we talk about developing a habit of trusting God, um, all of us have a, a deep need for a sense of control. All of us have a deep need for a sense of control. Now, it does not mean that we need to be in control all the time. But if we do not have a sense of control, then we feel like that uh, we, be, we can become frustrated. We, be, we become insecure. But again, it's not that we have to be in control all the time, but we need to feel like we have a sense of control. Now, this deep desire to be in control actually comes from God. God wants us to be in control but he also wants us to trust him. And so I have a, a habit of trusting myself. I recall that when I was growing up, and there, I formed that habit by trusting other people. And then as I grew up, that they would either hurt me or they would disappoint me. They didn't do what they said they would do. And so um, I felt that the only way to do what needed to be done or for something to get done that I had to do it myself. And so I began to develop a sense of control or I began to develop uh, a habit where I was relying on myself. Now, perhaps you have experienced that very same thing when you grew up and and, and people would tell you something, they would uh, uh, make a commitment, but they did not honor it, they, they hurt you, or they disappointed you, and you too felt that um, the only way to get a hold of what was going on is you had to do it yourself, or you found that you could not trust other people. So there's this paradox between control and trust. And as we look at that, we, we recognize then that when people don't do what they say they're going to do, or when they hurt you, or when, when, things, when, when they uh, disappoint you, our natural response is this. Our natural response is to just take that control back. And by taking that control back, that we now feel a little bit more secure, simply because we have that sense of control to feel like that we are in control. But God says something about that as we deal with this paradox of control and and, and trust. God God says something about that because he does want us to be in control, but he does want us to trust him. And so in the book of Proverbs chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3, if you would turn there, we're going to look in verses 5 and 6. Proverbs chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Because this response of grabbing back control is a way to protect ourselves. But yet, it, it is a way where we never really become vulnerable simply because that we always have ourselves to fall back on. And so, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, it says these words. It says, trust in the Lord. Come on, would you read that with me, church, together now? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct. So it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, the Hebrew definition of trust means to lean on someone completely as as if to rely on them and to be strengthened by them. So in other words, the word trust is to completely lean or rely on someone else. So so to have trust, there are a couple of things that are necessary. Number one, that to have trust, there must be a relationship between two people. To have trust, to give trust, that there must be a relationship between two people. And, 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 And what you have to do is that you have to really get to know The only person who you can truly know, that's the first step, and that's yourself. You have to know the person that you can only truly know. And so you know what you want, you know who you are, you know what you are capable of, and when you are honest with yourself, as you look at what you are capable of, then you recognize that you have limitations. And because you have limitations then now you recognize that you have to trust someone else because it is the only way for you to go beyond the limitations that you have within your own life. Now, in Psalm 147, Psalm 147, look at this. Psalm 147, verse 5, it says it like this. Champions, let's read it together now. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding. Oh my God. Great is our Lord and mighty his power. And it says that his understanding has no limit. And so God is totally above what we could even imagine. He's not material, so he doesn't dwell in matter. God's not spatial, so he doesn't d- d- dwell in space. God, God is not temporal, so he doesn't dwell in time. But the Bible says that his understanding has no limit. So God understands everything. And if his understanding has no limit, where you are limited in your understanding, because trust requires two people, who are in relationship with one another, then we know that whenever we need to understand something, when it comes to the level of our limitation, then we can go to God. Why? It's because His understanding is unlimited. His understanding is unlimited. Look at this. Job chapter 36, verse 22 and 23. We're going to read it out of the the English version. Job 26, verse 22 and 23. (laughs) So we see here that God's... Understanding is what, church? God's understanding is what? Unlimited. His understanding is unlimited. And notice this. Let's read it, verse 22 and 23 together now. God's power is unlimited. Wait a minute. (laughs) His understanding has no limit, and His power is unlimited. Let's start at the top and let's read it together now. God's power is unlimited. He needs no teachers to guide or correct him. So, He needs no teachers to guide or correct Him. So, God's power is unlimited. And we can see throughout the course of the Bible, throughout the course of life, how God's power is unlimited. It has no limits. One, in the beginning, in creation, that the Bible tells us that there was just void. Everything was in chaos, there was nothing, and God spoke, and whatever he spoke, he began to see what he spoke, and so notice this, that out of nothing, God created something that could be seen, so his word is unlimited, his power, the Bible says it is the word of his power, so his word is unlimited, and his power is unlimited, when we go through that, we also find that God made promises to to his people. God made a promise to Abraham and, and, and Sarah. And, and we find that when he made that promise to them, that, that they were trusting him for a period of time. And then they wanted to be in control of it themselves. Abraham did. But you know what's amazing about that? It's that if we'll just obey God, then what happens will happen God's way. As, as Brother Damon read about the relationship you know what the purpose of a husband is to his wife is to cover her. Uh, uh, In a relationship, he is to cover her. And and when you were barren and did not have any children, it was seen as a curse because you were not fruitful or you were what was considered barren. And you know what? As long as Abraham was just with Sarah, no one would have known Was it Abraham or was it Sarah? But the moment that Abraham had to control what God had promised, then he revealed that nothing was wrong with him, and he began to to uncover Sarah, and everybody could see that she was the one who was in the term during that time cursed. And so notice this. If, we, if he would have just done it God's way, then the relationship would have been how God intended for it to be. And so what God does, God waits until Sarah cannot have a child. Abraham cannot have a, does not have a seed. And so out of his power, he spoke a word, and Sarah conceived, and she had a child. And I love the way it says it because God spoke to them. He says, why is Sarah uh, laughing? when I said that you're going to have a child. And he says, about this time next year. Isn't that the same thing he said to Mary? And he said that she will have a child. So we find here that God's power from creation to the father of faith, but then also, notice this, his, his power in creation to lay the foundation for us, and then he did it with a family, but then his power was released to a nation. Because when the children of Israel... When, when, when God's people left Egypt, uh, the Bible says that they were obedient, they left Egypt, and as they left Egypt, they, Egypt, they got into the wilderness, and God said that he, he caused a, a, a manna to fall from heaven. That's power. That's a miracle. But something happened is that Abraham, I mean, or Moses rather, Moses said, God said the people started complaining that they only had manna, and they wanted the, the diversity of their diet that they had in Egypt. And so God said that what I'm going to do is I'm going to cause meat to come. And you're going to have meat and you're going to have manna. And, and Moses says these words. Moses was like blown away. He says, uh, God, do you know how many of us it is? Now, if you thought after reading the scripture that it was a miracle what God did when he multiplied the fish and the bread for the five, and fed the 5,000, Moses had that same problem because the Bible says Moses said to God when he says he's going to give them a meat for a month, Moses says that God, I'm not sure that you, you, you recognize that it's 600,000 men and, and with the women and the children, how are you going to feed all of us? And Moses says that do you want us to kill the herd so that we can eat? Do you want us to gather the fish out of the sea so that we can eat? And in Numbers chapter 11, verse 23, God answered him. I, I'm gonna, I, let me show you what he said. Look at this. The Lord said to Moses, is the Lord's power what? <laughs> Moses says, gosh, how are you going to feed millions of people for a month? Meat. You want us to kill the herds? You want us to, to, to get the fish out of the sea? How are you going to do it? And God says, is my power limited? Look, we've got to recognize and believe and trust God that beyond what we can see, Beyond what we have, beyond what we can do in ourselves, God's power goes beyond that. And he says that now you shall see whether my word will come true for you or not. How many of you know that God fed them? He fed a manna. The scripture tells us that they lack for nothing. So you're looking at a bill. God says, is my power limited? So he says that. Uh, my power is not limited. You can see whether my word will come true for you or not. And so then we recognize then that as, as God speaks to them and we, and we see that his understanding is not limited, we see then now his power is not limited. And because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, what we see that God did in the past we can, tr- where we see that he understood in the past, where we see that his power was not uh, unlimited in the past, he's the same right now. And he'll be the same tomorrow. So let's take a look at this a little bit further. Would you say that with me, I declare? That God's power, God's power, God's power is not limited. Come on, would you say that God's understanding is unlimited? Trust must exist between two people. I declare I am limited, but my God is unlimited. Now, if God wants you to be in control, and if God wants you to trust him, exactly what he wants us to be in control of. And in Second Peter chapter 1, he wants us to be in control. But what does he want us to be in control of? Second Peter chapter 1. Let's read it together now. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his glory and goodness. Look at this. His divine what? His divine power, which is what? Unlimited. His divine power has given us everything. So notice this, that where our limitation goes, that the power that God has given us because we trust him goes beyond our limitation and it taps into his power, his understanding. Can you imagine having the understanding of God and the power of God? You see, you do that when you trust him. You know, let me give you an analogy that a a husband and a wife, there are strengths that God puts us together and he puts us together where actually we have complementing strengths uh, and weaknesses. So, for instance, my weaknesses are Gwen's strengths. My strengths are Gwen's weaknesses. But if we flow together, then there is no such thing as weakness in the relationship. Why? It's because if I allow her to operate in her strength and she allows me to operate in my strength, then we've just got a strong family, strong relationship where there is no weakness. See, you've got to recognize, so often we want people to become like what we are or who we are, and God says that you don't understand relationships. See, because relationships are God puts things together that are different so that they can fit together to accomplish his purpose. And you think about a a, a socket that's in the wall. There is power that's connected to that socket. But, But you say you put a socket against a socket and you will never tap the power. But a plug is different than a socket. But a plug was created to fit in a socket. And when you put the plug in the socket, the power that you cannot see become manifested and now you can see what you did not see simply because you allowed the thing that was opposite to become complementary. And that's what God does in our relationship. So we recognize that, you know what, I've got a limitation, but I know somebody that I'm in relationship with that is un- has unlimited understanding. He has unlimited power, and I can trust him. So I don't have to control anything. I can have a sense of control, but where does my sense of control come from? It comes that I trust God, and he will never leave me nor forsake me, and I'll lack for no good thing. So, 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 so look at this. Let's start at the top one more time, verse three. Then we're gonna to go to f- verse five. Let's verse three. Let's let's read it together now. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory. Now remember that you must know the one you're in relationship with. So you know yourself, you know your limitations. You know what you can do and what you cannot do. Once you accept it, then you now know the other person who you're in relationship with, which is the Holy Spirit. And then now we know that he has no limitation. And so now we live a godly life through our knowledge of him. Let's, let's go. Verse five. Let's read it together. Now, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge And to knowledge, self-control. Stop right there. So what does God, God does want you to be in control. But what does he want you to be in control of? Yourself. I want to be in control. Yes, control yourself. My God. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Verse 7. Well, let's just go on and read it from the top five, six, and seven. Let's read it together now. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. Now, verse 10, look at this. Let's read it together now. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never, you will never what? You know, when one translation says, you will never stumble, you'll never stumble. (laughs) And so what we recognize then is that it doesn't really revolve us relinquishing control, but rather we let God's plan shape our lives and and, and we are in control of ourselves self-control so that we could follow his plans and resist those things that try and pull us away from the instructions that he has given us lean not to your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will what direct your path and so what happens is that we can do the, uh, get rid of all of those distractions, and we can follow the direction of God. And so he's in control of our lives, and we are in control of ourselves. And so trust and control, they really operate together. They really operate together. And we start by knowing the only person that we can know, and that is ourselves. We begin to look at ourselves. We begin to know who we are. We begin to look at what we want. But then we also begin to look at what we can do and what we cannot do. And if we are honest with ourselves, we recognize that we have a limitation. But we are in a relationship with someone whose understanding is unlimited and its power is unlimited. Therefore, as we trust him and are in control of ourselves, we are able to walk out of wilderness, we're able to walk out of bondage, we're able to walk out of lack, and we take the path that he's laid out for us, and we can enter into that place of beyond. Amen. Another dimension of worship, another dimension of life, and we can live the beyond life. Now, there are three key elements very quickly that I'm going to give you, and this is a challenge that I'll give you this week, uh, because to, to trust God, to develop a habit of trusting God. Develop the habit of trusting God rather than yourself. There are three keys to developing a habit of trusting God. The first one, rest. Rest. See, when you rest, you hear his voice. <laughs> rest. Would you say rest with me? Rest. Look at Isaiah thirty-fifteen. You don't have to go there, but check this out here. This is what the sovereign Law Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. Why? It's because we want to be in control of our lives when God says, get control of yourself. Trust me, but control yourself. And so when you rest, you can hear his voice And he says that in repentance and rest is your salvation, and in quietness and trust is your strength, rest. And so you have to ask yourself in this rest, what do you know about him? You have to ask yourself, uh, what can he do? What can he not do? And just as you should know yourself, then you know him. And because you know him, then you can rest in him and you can hear his voice. Because when you look throughout Scripture, God said something before he did it. Hmm. The second key is receive. The first one is rest, and when you rest, you can hear his voice. And then the second one is to receive. And to receive something, you've got to know that you uh, lack something. You don't have everything. So to receive something, you've got to know that there is something that you are in need of. See, if you're a fool, you can't receive anything. If you can't hear, you can't receive. If you can't see, you cannot receive. And so you have to recognize that you are in need of something or you lack something. But what you lack within your own limitation, God has because his understanding and power is unlimited. But you know what, lack, what, what what the receiving is? It's an act of humility. It's an act of humility where you recognize, you know what, I don't know. You know, the greatest deliverance I ever had um, since uh, being in ministry initially was that I didn't have to know everything. But you know what, where I came from, is, it was like the pastor had to know everything. And he had to pretend like he knew everything even if he didn't. And 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 but the greatest deliverance I had is when I don't I didn't feel like I had to know everything. Mm. That's false pride. Everything was right, everything was great in your house, everything was perfect. You were a perfect person. Well, I just told you at the beginning of this thing that I had developed developed the habit of trusting myself. So notice this rest and receive. John 15, 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The third key is to respond, respond, respond. See, when you rest, you can hear his voice. When you receive, you can now have what you lack. And when you respond, then you can possess what God has said. Look, if you have been trying to get God to do something for you, if you have been trying to get God to, to do and to fulfill what he has already promised to you, when you rest, when you receive, and when you respond, you won't have to try to get God to do something because he already has done it. God has already opened doors that no man should close, and God has closed doors that the enemy want to open for you to walk through. The only way is that we deal with this paradox of control and trust and we rest, we receive, and we respond. There are people that are in your life probably have seen your life and it looks great. It looks like they know you're a Christian. On the outside, things really look good. Looks like God's hand is upon your life, but you know that on the inside that there is still this struggle with control. There's still this struggle with trusting God. And what God wants you to do this week, I'm challenging you to rest so that you might hear his voice in your daily reading to receive what is being said. It's an act of humility. God resists the proud, but he gives what? Gives grace to the humble. Jesus humbled himself and God highly, what? Exalted him. And then when you rest, you receive what he has said. Then you begin to respond to it. It is an act of faith. And then according to Hebrews eleven six, 6, God will reward your faith.